hello, uh, I'm James Chrisafulli, and welcome to another edition of the NBN Weekly Recap Podcast from the NBN Politics Section. Um, and here again with me this week is... Ryan Boyd. Thanks for coming back. Um, dynamic duo, back at it. <laughs> uh, and yeah, we wanted to start off this week with uh, the coronavirus situation, specifically with the Trump administration's handling of it, um, and Mike Pence now being at, at the, the coronavirus czar and heading mm-hmm. up efforts to contain uh, the the virus. So you want to start off with that, Ryan? Yeah, I I think it seems like uh, in the past week, the developments surrounding the coronavirus have only gotten worse in the United States and globally. And I think that the Trump administration's handling of the crisis has been seen as uh, particularly weak in terms of not having a clear grasp on what the United States should be doing, not having a clear message, a competent message, and I think that that's been demonstrated uh, in the markets with investors taking a very negative turn towards what's been happening recently. I think what's particularly concerning is the way that the Trump administration has tried to centralize messaging in through the White House and trying to muzzle what government scientists can say on the issue, trying to basically hold back the flow of information, which is um, in times of disease spread is one of the most important things in terms of communicating very clearly and very forthrightly with people because if there is uncertainty, that only makes the situation worse. Right, yeah, and we're seeing that uncertainty being built into markets now. I mean, I, I am hesitant with the media's coverage of the economic impacts of this because it kind of overlooks the human uh, humanitarian impacts, but it is, a, at this point, on a, uh, you know, we can't ignore that. Um, the, uh, the supply chains are, are expected to have been, uh, reduced by $5 trillion at this point from the effects of coronavirus worldwide. Um, and the WHO has now, um, announced basically to all countries across, uh, the world to prepare, uh, and, you know, put in place measures to prepare for dealing with the coronavirus and being ready for it to spread to their country. We just saw the first case in Nigeria be, being uh, detected, so the first case in Sub-Saharan Africa, um, and that the, the patient um, who they has had confirmed, uh, is now confirmed to have had coronavirus, traveled through Lagos, the capital of the country, before they detected that. So, you know, he ex- was exposed to um, uh, an unidentifiable amount of people. So, um, yeah, just really uncertainty, I think, is the, is the key point here. I agree with you. And there was the first uh, death in the United States. Uh, someone in Washington State had, had died. Right, and so the first death in Washington State, and then um, also the sort of the locus in, this right, in the U.S. right now of coronavirus has been California. That's when some of the first cases were detected. Um, and federal employees visited uh, unquarantined, uh, unquarantined federal employees visited some of those pa- first patients in California, and then stayed in public motels, took commercial flights back to D.C., and just took absolutely no precautions to, you know, um, or, or any procedures to prevent the spreading of coronavirus after their contact with people who had been officially diagnosed. Um, so again, just piggybacking off the poor handling by the administration of, of the spread of this virus. Yeah, and I think it's even, it's even broader than just in the United States where there's been a poor handling of the issue. Um, the Iranian deputy health minister was giving a press conference on coronavirus while clearly displaying symptoms that he had coronavirus. He was sweating, he was coughing, he was taking no precaution to 
cover himself up or quarantine himself. And it was then revealed after the press conference that the deputy press, uh, the deputy health minister, did indeed have coronavirus. And so there's been, and that is on its own might not be anything else than concerning for the deputy health minister. But the fact is that there's reports that Iran is massively underreporting the number of people that have died from coronavirus and been infected, which I think means that that signals that there's just an unseriousness or a lack of control over what's what's been happening in, in Iran, in the U.S., and a lot of places where there's been big outbreaks. Mm-hmm. And it brings up this concern of, you know, I mentioned we saw the first case in sub-Saharan Africa. How, do, how should we be expecting the governments in some of these, you know, poor corruption-riddled countries to handle the, the, the spread of that disease? Um, yeah, it, it's... Not, um, I'm, I'm very concerned, and again, like you said, just the uncertainty, we, we really don't know. Everyone's kind of scrambling, and administrations are struggling to, to keep the public calm, which is one of the biggest um, goals in, in, spread, in virus uh, epidemics like this. So, yeah, that was the main big story of this week. Um, other news we wanted to follow up from last week, the uh, U.S. officially um, signed a deal with uh, the Taliban, um, and it will seek to draw down U.S. troops in Afghanistan and eventually um, withdraw all troops from Afghanistan. Um, and that was signed in, in Qatar, uh, which has been acting as sort of the mediator state in this, um, in this agreement and, and in these negotiations. So the withdrawal um, will depend, it is conditional on the U.S. side. It will depend on um, the Taliban cutting off ties with Al-Qaeda and ISIS and, and working with uh, the U.S. to commit to um, combating those, those uh, groups. Um, and then if those conditions are met, the U.S. will initially um, only draw down, take, withdraw about 5,000 troops. There's about 13,000 in the country now. And then we'll, we'll commit to um, incrementally withdrawing uh, further troops until there's no U.S. troops left in the country. So um, definitely a, a promising development and a promising deal. But again, as we mentioned last week, there, what role does the Afghan government play in these negotiations? They're, they're dealing with lots of internal divisions and uncertainty. Um, and then, you know, can we trust the Taliban to maintain their side of the agreement? There's been, even throughout the, the ceasefire, there was uh, small skirmishes where the Taliban was responsible for a uh, small amount of deaths in the country, and, and the U.S. didn't consider that a violation because they were kind of small and not associated or the Taliban leaders uh, leadership denounced them, but again, what how can we expect or what can we expect uh, them to do on their side of the deal? So, a little bit of um, you know a, a promising development, but not not certain where it will head. Yeah, I think people see generally seen as as promising. I think because U.S. has been in Afghanistan now for almost twenty years, and uh, there's I think little to show for it. Next story we wanted to touch on was the conviction of Harvey Weinstein. Um, do you want to start us off with that one, Ryan? Yeah, I think seen as um, a big vindication of the Me Too movement, of the journalism of Ronan Farrow, Megan Toey, Jody Cantor, some of the other journalists who helped break the story against um, a lot of efforts to stop them and to prevent them from... Um, publishing all the allegations against Harvey Weinstein. Um, there, He was convicted on two of five counts, 
Um, he was not convicted on the most serious counts, and he is heading to sentencing in March, um, looking at between 5 and 29 years in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, his lawyer said that he will be appealing, um, but he's currently in Rikers awaiting sentencing, and I think even though it was only on two of five counts, I think people are seeing it as something that is um, very positive in terms of people facing official um, actions in jail time for um, allegations that were spurred, that came out of the Me Too movement. Right, yeah, a lot of the you know criticism has been, the Me Too movement has been very powerful and taking down... Uh, lots of you know men from positions of power, but there hasn't actually been a ton of legal repercussions. So this is you know definitely seen as a victory in that regard. Just to follow up on the two counts that he was convicted of, it was first degree criminal sexual assault and third degree rape. Um, and then yeah, so those were actually the less serious um, charges of the five, but still carry um, you know gui- sentencing guidelines of five to twenty nine years. So he will be. Um, you know, as long as the, the appeal doesn't change anything dra- radically, he will be in jail for, for years um, moving forward. And he still has, uh, Los Angeles um, uh, has still, he still has a pending uh, case in Los Angeles. They're, they've already said that they've indicted him and will move forward with the case even after his conviction in Manhattan, which is the one that he just got convicted in. So, um, so he could be facing, you know, even more time uh, in multiple, multiple different districts. So, um yeah, definitely a, a victory for, for the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. And for the world. <laughs> and then lastly, yeah, lastly, we just wanted to uh, please, again, check out the 2020 Fever podcast for for more campaign in-depth campaign uh, insights and analysis and updates. But we just wanted to touch on uh, our thoughts on the race this week um, as it's been prominent in the news. There was a debate on Tuesday night, and uh, the primary is happening today. Um, so, yeah, your thoughts on the debate, Ryan, and just the developments this week. Um, I think the debate was pretty widely considered to have been very poorly moderated mm-hmm. in terms of the weirdly specific questions in some policy areas, and I think a lot of the framing of the issues and the questions was criticized by people for maybe taking, like, a Republican kind of frame to a lot of questions. Um, And I I don't think it was very informative. I mean, I don't know if voters want to see them talk about how they're going to finance their health care plans again for the 300th time in a row. Um, But, I mean, debates are hard to moderate, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I thought I agree with the the debate. I think the verdict is in on that one. Um, Yeah, and in general, I think, you know, Biden is holding his lead for the most part in South Carolina. He got an endorsement from Congressman Congressman James Clyburn, very influential politician there uh, in the state, and um, he seems to be holding his lead in the polls um, and seems to be depending on or relying upon a a victory in South Carolina to propel him, you know, into Super Tuesday and to to be a challenger, a realistic challenger to Bernie. Uh, I also just saw, interestingly, the uh, Service Employees Union, the SEIU, is committed to spending $150 million on the 2020 elections to mobilize uh, infrequent uh, non-voters, which the union has been powerful mostly, um, you know, for funding Democrats historically, um, and I think they see this as a move to, you know, mobilizing non-voters uh, and infrequent voters is usually seen as a sort of, uh, as helping the Democrats. Um, so that's that's definitely a big commitment. But I also 
recently saw a study that was saying in key battleground states, um, you know, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Florida, Virginia, um, there's actually, in a lot of those states, the majority of non-voters um, would prefer Trump over a Democratic candidate, at least according to this, this survey. Um, I think, yeah, so I think it was Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Florida, all the, those non-voters lean towards Trump. Um, and most of the other states were sort of uh, neck and neck. And so just challenging this idea that non helping not or mobilizing non-voters always helps Democrats. Um, I think we're, we're going to that's going to be a big test for 2020 and how those those people swing. Mm -hmm. All right. Anything else from you this week? I don't think so. All right. Well, that does it for us. Thanks for listening. Um, keep your eye out for uh, another podcast next week and have a great week. All right. Take care. Thanks. <laughs>